Well, excellent job, all of you. You did a fantastic. Sharon and Sharon and the guys uh, did a wonderful job. Let's all give them a good hand on their efforts here. A lot of planning, a lot of practice, wasn't there? How many hours do you think you put into this? Since October, long time. Well, it shows you did a great job, every one of you. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a tough act to follow, isn't it? Well, as we uh, gather here and think about the wonderful joy of thinking about the birth of Christ uh, this morning, it should really cause us to reflect upon who he really is. Uh, it's an amazing thing when we begin to explore the events of that day. Um, there's a lot of events that occurred. You heard some of them from the children this morning, but there are a lot more. And if you look at some chapters in the scriptures, like in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 3, you'll see some wonderful events that occur. If you read it carefully, you'll see all these events that, that happen that you'll see prophecies over and over and over that were proclaimed about the birth of Christ. And it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, um, things just don't happen by chance. God had a perfect plan. And it's kind of like he weaves this web across time about events to occur. It's interesting when you think about the birth of Christ because at the fall of man, I think many of you have heard about Adam and Eve, they fell in the garden and they sinned. Well, right then, God promised a deliverer. And centuries passed over that whole amount of time because God promised that he would send that deliverer, but a century would go by, another century would go by, another century would go by, and still no deliverer. They always had a hope that there would be a deliverer, but yet, he had not come. It tells us something about God when we think about his, his birth because when God says something, he means it. He will do it. He will never fail in what he says. And I think of us, when we make promises, um, has anyone in this that room ever broke a promise? Raise your hand. No, that's okay. Don't do that. <laughs> We don't want to reveal that, but um, yeah, we break promises, don't we? You know what? God never breaks a promise. And we really see that through his birth. He did not break a promise. So we're going to explore three things this morning about his birth. Um, one, the place of his birth. And um, let's get the slides up here so we can see the place of his birth. We're also going to take a look at the prince of his birth and also the reverence of his birth. Now, the birth of Christ was a huge event. Now, it changed history. When he was born in this world, it changed history. And it was a time in this world where we didn't have social media. There was no social media. There wasn't any Twitter. There wasn't any Skype, there was no Viber, there was no Facebook. There was none of these communication tools that everybody knows about today to announce the birth of Christ. So when he was born, there was not a whole lot of people that were aware that it happened. 
But as we look into God's word now, looking back in hindsight, it would, should cause us to rethink things. It would challenge our thinking. It will challenge our understanding and reaffirm that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the promised King. And he was the promised Savior sent into the world. That's what it should do. When you hear the stories of all the children, you know, they, they mention they're all scriptural. It's all based on scripture. It wasn't something that Sharon fabricated. It was all from the word of God. We can learn from that, but it was, should challenge our thinking. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For, he, for we have seen his star in the east have come to worship him. Well, today the world is more aware of the event than when it occurred. Yet the world does not seem to be very interested in honoring that event. Have you seen over the years how it's less and less meaning of what the true Christmas, the Jesus is getting left out? Yet we're here this morning, again, thinking of that birth. And not only us in this room, but you know, on the other side of the earth, and I was just on the other side of the earth two days ago, they're also thinking about the birth of Christ. So the message has covered the whole world about Jesus coming into this world. So we will come together as millions of others do to remember this great day in history. Well, first, the place of his birth. In Micah, wonderful prophecy here in Micah. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Well, we see in Micah, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. The birth of Christ came about just as it was predicted in Micah. From a worldly viewpoint, it appeared that Christ's birth would happen someplace else because Mary wasn't in Bethlehem when she was about ready to have this baby. She was in Nazareth. Just think, if you were there at that time, you'd think, well, how could this be possible? You know, it says that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. But yet, this one who is with child is the promised, the promised one who will be delivered. Is in Nazareth. That can't happen. This can't be the one. Well, God moves in mighty ways. But God moved the greatest power on earth. The greatest power on earth during that time was the Roman government. God put into play circumstances and actions that would get Mary to Bethlehem for the birth of Christ. That's pretty amazing when you think about that. God used a government, the greatest government in the whole world at that time. He used that government 
to get Mary and Joseph to another city. In Luke chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be, deli for, for her to be delivered. And she bought, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room at the end. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that will come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The Lord had a different Twitter account, didn't he? <laughs> he worked things a little bit different. And it was a miracle. Just think, no cell phones in those days, but God made it happen. Don't see the star there. But um, it's amazing. Just think this star was there. The shepherds went out and they followed. Others followed. When God predicts, <laughs> he'll move heaven and earth if necessary to fulfill his prediction. It's the way God is. He'll do whatever possible to make things happen as he predicted. Micah predicted the birth of Christ some hundreds over uh, 700 years before it happened. And this would give the critics over the centuries plenty of time to scoff at that prediction. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scoffers? You know, the prophets of old, those who were followers of the Lord at the time, knew of Christ's birth. It was going to come. They waited for it. Can you imagine them scoffing at them? Oh, yeah, yeah, look how long you've been waiting. Nothing's happened yet. Are you kidding? He's not going to come. Well, we have scoffers today, don't we? It's no different. It's no different today. The Bible predicts that Christ is going to come a second time. Do you ever hear people scoff about that? Oh, no, that can't happen. He said he was going to come again. Well, he promised he'd come the first time he came, and he promised he'll be here again. 
and he will. We don't know when, but he will come as he promised. You can bank on it. The second thing now we have is the prince at his birth. It says in the days of Herod the king, God could pick any other time for the birth of Christ. Just think in the days of Herod the king. Does anyone know what Herod was like? Herod was an unbelievable ruler. God could have picked another time for the birth of Christ that would have been a better time than the days of Herod. But God's timing was perfect. And that's one thing you can count on with God. His timing is absolutely perfect. No mistake. He won't be late. He won't be early. But he'll be right on time. You can count on it. At Jesus' birth, Herod was a vile and bloody king. And did not hesitate to try and kill Christ by his decree to kill all the babies. Now, can you imagine this? He put a decree out to kill all the babies two years old and younger in the Bethlehem area, hoping to kill Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Eh, did Herod really want to come and worship him? No, he didn't. Why were they afraid of him? Why was Herod afraid of Jesus? Yeah, he didn't want to be a ruler, huh? Yep. Herod was afraid of Jesus. So then in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts of, to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now just think about it. They departed and went another way. Nobody called them up on a phone and said, hey, don't go that way. It'd be trouble if you go that way. But God used a dream to make them go another way a way that would be safe. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Wait a minute, didn't Herod want to worship him? No, wanted to destroy Jesus. But God knew. He knew exactly Herod's plan. And uh, God had his way, not Herod. 
It's the way God is. God will have his way. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, by the Lord to the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Then... <clears throat> Again, in same sync here with you. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all in his districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Another prophecy. You know, God loves to do his greatest works when op opposition is the greatest. Did you know that? We see through this story, there was great opposition, and the Lord won out. You know, this should encourage all of us here in this room. For sometimes it seems like all is against us and God cannot help us. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You're in such despair, you think that God can't help me. Things are just too bad. Well, don't give up when in those situations. Remember, Christ, the Prince of Peace, was born in the days of Herod. If Christ could be born during Herod's time and survive, God can deliver us regardless how desperate our situation might be. There's hope there, hope in Christ. And the third thing we see through his birth is the reverence because of his birth. We read earlier in Matthew 2, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, When Christ was born, some spe very special people came to Jesus, the wise men. If you've ever done any history fact-checking on the wise men, but they were not ordinary men. These were not your average men of the day. These individuals were oriental kingmakers. They were the elite. They were the cultured 
men of the time. They were leaders of the Middle Eastern society. And we note two things about their reverence toward Jesus when he was born. One, the wisdom of worship. Wise men, wise men. You know, when you look at the word wise men, it also could be translated into magician or scientist, but the meaning involves wisdom, hence wise men. People who worship Christ are wise indeed. Did you know that? They were wise. They worshiped the Lord, the Christ who was born. And the second thing about their reverence is the way they worshiped. How far did you have to drive here today? How many hours did you spend driving here today? I don't imagine too long. One hour? Anybody drove longer than an hour? How long? Anybody else? How long did it take you to drive here? <laughs> Maybe 10 minutes. So it didn't take anybody, any one of us a long time to get here today. But the wise men, they came from the east to Jerusalem. A great effort was put out to find Jesus. It wasn't just hopping in a car and being there an hour later. It can cost much effort and expense. However, it was worth it. It was worth it to them. Is it worth it to you to drive as far as you can to be able to worship the one who loves you so much, who was born for you? This day, just ask yourself, what does Jesus' birth mean to me today? What does it mean? As wise men did at the birth of Christ, will you come to Jesus today? Do you know him personally? Will you come to him and worship him and follow him as they did? If you do... You're called a wise person. Very wise person. If you haven't come to Jesus, I encourage you to do so because you'll never make a mistake in doing so. There'll be joy in your life that you've never experienced before in your life if you, if you have not known him. And like we learned from the children today about Jesus, why he came... He was a savior. But why did he come as a savior? We needed to be saved. We needed to be saved from something. You know what that is? A spiritual death. We're all in the same condition. There's not one person in this room who is any different than anyone else. We all deserve death because of our sin. But he came here to forgive us of our sin. That's an amazing story, isn't it? That God came into this world, was born into this world, so that we might live an eternal life with him. That's pretty amazing. Especially if we look at ourselves and who we really are, a sinner. God himself became a man so that we might live. What a wonderful story. So if you don't know him today, come and worship him. Come to know the Savior that we know, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, Counselor, 
mighty God and worship him. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you again for this reminder of your birth. It's wonderful to go through scripture, Lord, and see how your plan was carefully executed. It was executed timely. It was perfect. No flaws in it. And we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who never goes back on a promise. We can always trust you, Lord, in all that you say. And I pray for us, Lord, that as we think about this time again, we reflect again why you came. You came as a man to take the flesh of human and then to later die on a cross for our sin. Oh, we worship you this morning, Lord, for being a great and almighty God. And Lord, as we go out together for a meal this morning, Lord, we just pray that we might just uh, warm our hearts in fellowship, that we might really honor you this day as we remember again your birth. And we thank you for the meal that you've prepared. We pray that you might bless it, that you might bless our time together, that we might have the joy of Christ in our lives for all eternity. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.